0: Ludus Novus, episode 23, Searching. There's this itching sensation that I get when I want to play a game and I don't know what game I want to play. I look at my Steam library and I flip through games that I've had on my list but dismissed a hundred times before and I think of sensations that I want to feel that I want this hypothetical game to cause within me and that game that I want to play is like the game that I imagine when someone tells me about a game or when I read about a game, but I haven't played it. I haven't seen video of it being played. I haven't read a review or a critique. I've just heard a description. And in my head, I have this image of what the game can be. Because games have this potential. Games can surprise you. Games can have hidden pockets in them of mechanics or content that explodes in unexpected ways. And when you read a book, you're generally going to get the same experience each time. There might be surprises inside the content, but the content that you get is not going to be unexpected. Once in a while you read House of Leaves or you read some postmodern work that truly surprises you with how it approaches what it's doing. But every time you play a game, a new game, you are in some way surprised. You might be surprised at this clever way that it uses its rules, or you might be surprised that it didn't do anything clever with this great potential that it had. So when I'm looking for a game, and I don't know which game I'm looking for, I'm experiencing that sensation. That sensation of potential. Just like every video game is a potential narrative. Every video game is a story waiting to be born. You never tell the same story the second time you play a game as the first time. If it's interactive, if it's in any way interactive, the path you take through this world, this process, this procedural simulation, the path you take through it is different every time. Even the most linear game, even the most pre-scripted game, You bring to it who you are in a way you don't with linear media, with non-interactive media. There's this concept in, in literary theory of this stack of readers and authors, the idea that you, the human being sitting on your couch, are not the person that the author is writing to. The author is writing to this perceived person. And the story is writing to this perceived person. And you are perceiving this speaker of the story. You're perceiving the author of the story. And the author of the story that you're perceiving isn't the person that wrote the story. The author is dead. But the perceived author is dead. The reader is dead to the author. But that that concept of potentiality comes to a forefront in a game. There are... Layers upon layers of imaginary people within a game. Some games are explicitly designed for multiple players. You play Deus Ex, and it is expecting you to be three people. It's prepared for you to be three people. And even if you pick one of those, even if you pick the the, the sad abandoned stepchild of Deus Ex, the person who buys their swimming skill to maximum, you are going to have a different experience, and the game is going to play with you. And so when I search through my Steam library and I look for that game, that perfect game, that perfect experience that matches the mood that I'm in right that moment, I'm playing a game with The entirety of my library, the entirety of games as a medium, I'm approaching play as if it were a game. Sometimes I don't ever find the game I'm looking for. Sometimes I lose. The solution space for creation For making worlds, for making rules, for making games and simulations. That solution space is enormous. Because when we take on a task in reality, in our current layer of existence, we are limited by fundamental constants, fundamental constraints. We're limited by physics. We're limited by our economic situation. But when we create a world, when we give Genesis to a universe, we pick those rules, and we're limited only by our capabilities to imagine and our ability to abstract that universe into a form that matches our capability with code. Games let creators craft the perfect universe. And they let players act with agency within that universe. Even the most linear game, even the most static storyline, gives the player an analog infinity of space to explore. Even a choose-your-own-adventure game lets you flip to a future page, lets you find that hidden story, that story that's put in as a deliberate attempt to discourage that flipping, someone who can create worlds can create a world in which that perfect game is always at your fingertips, where whatever mood you have, whatever need you feel to be elsewhere can be met in an instant by the perfect universe made just for you. Jennifer Diane Rates is a, is a webcomic artist who created Unicorn Jelly and a number of other things. Uh, she was my introduction to polyamory. She was probably the first experience I had with a person who was transgender, just knowing that there was a person who transcended gender norms. And she spoke of herself as a creatrix, as not an author, not a cartoonist, but as someone who formed worlds with her art. And that's what all game creators are they create worlds that satisfy needs to satisfy moods, they are able to reshape reality. They're able to create a new reality at virtually their whim. I still don't know what kind of game I want to play, but in some universe out there, that game exists. Gregory Avery Weir and this has been Ludus Novus The music for this episode is Progress by Mystified from the Fractal Diner 3 album available on archive.org That's available under a Creative Commons attribution license Ludus Novus is available under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike non-commercial license which means you can do what you want with it as long as you say who made it you don't make money off of it and use that same license. You can find more writing and podcasts at ludusnovus.net.